Hello and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market Private Equity and M&A in Canada. My name is Mario Negro, and I'm a partner in the Private Equity M&A Group at Steichman Elliott. For today's podcast, I'd like to welcome our guest, Ian Brenner. Ian is a partner at the Farber Group and is also the lead of their interim management and executive search practice. Ian, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thanks, Mario, and uh, appreciate the opportunity to uh, chat to you today. Ian, we always start our podcast by asking our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves, about their firm, and about what they do. And I know you've been a market participant for a very long time, so I'd love to hear more for our guests about you and your practice at Farber. Yeah, don't, don't date me, Mario. But uh, yeah, I mean, my background, essentially, I, I trained as a, as a chartered accountant, found my way into management consulting, into private equity, uh, and ultimately into the seat as, as a CFO in actually in, in the automotive space, which is perhaps where, where we first met. Uh, and then, uh, you know, having gone through a, a restructuring of that business back in 07, 08, which is interesting considering what's happening at the moment, uh, found my way at, at Farber, uh, actually originally as a client, I used them as, as a, an advisor through a, a distressed situation. Uh, and when I joined Farber, it was uh, at that stage, um, sort of segueing into the firm. The history of the firm is in, in the world of insolvency and restructuring. And at that stage, they had been in, in that business for many years, uh, doing traditional restructuring, bankruptcy, advisory, trustee, etc. They then shifted as the business grew into M&A and at that stage distressed, but uh, you know, more recently into, into growth M&A corporate finance, valuations, et cetera. And uh, I joined initially to set up their interim management practice. So it was sort of 2010, 2011, lots of CFOs on the street, lots of distressed opportunities. Um, and then I started going in, in parallel with our restructuring group to essentially as CRO and other roles to help with restructurings. Uh, and that really was the genesis of our, our search practice. So. Today, we, um, our search practice, which, which fits within the larger Farber group, um, is, is a group of 15 professionals doing both interim. And then uh, since 2015, we've been expanding into the world of executive search. So that's C-suite, uh, CFO, CEO, heads of HR operations, etc., more traditional functional focus um, across the mid-market in Canada. Uh, in addition, we, we've also grown further into the human capital space. We have a group that does leadership advisory training, uh, HR consulting, general HR consulting. And then we also get into elements of uh, management consulting around help, helping companies accelerate their performance. So we'll get into strategy, organizational design and alignment, uh, and some ops work. So that's broadly the uh, sort of the background to both myself and to the Farber Group as a whole. Ian, I, I know you've been in this space for many years. I mean, you've seen a few cycles in your time, and the human capital management space has just dramatically changed over the last years. And I mean, if we talk about the impact of COVID and the impact of a lot of the changes in the marketplace, but uh, when it comes to human capital, I mean, you've kind of you see it in your clients and what they're looking for, and everybody's focused on you know good management. Uh, wanted to get a sense from you what what you've since you know I won't date you, but you've been doing this a long time. 
What do you, what do you notice has changed uh, in the last few years, and particularly now when there's obviously a shortage of human capital? Like, what right. what do you notice has changed in the market? Yeah, so a big question, Mario. And, and I think if there's sort of one area that businesses have really sharpened their focus on as a result of COVID, which really has has you know identified some weaknesses in the system and lack of focus in, in the, the general area of human capital. Um, it's really, there were issues that, that were there and, and when COVID came, it just exacerbated it and, and deepened the focus. Um, so if I speak sort of broadly from a, a human capital perspective, there was an article I read recently uh, developed by, uh, well, the concept was developed by Mercer. And what they spoke about is the employer-employee contract. So that's the, let's just call it the psychological employment contract that you as an employer have with your employee and, and vice, vice versa. Um, and these are sort of the, you know, the basic assumptions that, that bond an employer and an employee together. And the article sort of looked back at uh, sort of pre-2000, it's, you know, the 20th century. And what we used to speak about was what they termed the loyalty contract. So you, you know, provided your employee with a good pay and benefits um, and you looked after them, took, you took care of them. And in, in exchange, you got employer, employee loyalty and, and commitment. Um, yeah, even though in, those, in, those, in that era, the work was perhaps somewhat repetitive. Then, you know, over the last 20 years, pre-COVID now I'm talking, that loyalty contract shifted to what's been termed an engagement contract. So you saw organizations start to look for, you know, organizations were emphasizing work that was intrinsically motivating uh, and fulfilling for employees. Uh, so we saw a, a shift in that area. And then, you know, you know, in comes COVID. And what we really have seen is the shift to what was termed a lifestyle contract. And we've seen that emerge through, you know, through the last two years. And that's where employees are now looking for jobs that meet their holistic needs, not just um, their employment, but their, you know, their needs inside and outside of work. Um, and, you know, as we've seen, employees are willing to leave an organization if, if it puts their desired lifestyle at risk. So there's this tension that's developed between employers and employees. What's going to happen in the next couple of years as one anticipates a recession? I think that remains to be seen, and perhaps that's another part of the conversation. But we've seen a lot of discussion, you know, obviously around burnout and wellness, um, hybrid. I mean, every conversation is around hybrid and, and what companies are doing. Lots of concerns around employee engagement and, and their connection with a company. And employees looking for career management, development, training, you know, how, how they're going to advance their careers. Obviously, there's lots of, of change and, and transformation in the air, and, and transformation always brings uncertainty. And then I think a very important topic that we've seen because of, of succession or lack of succession planning of more senior executives. So, you know, we've had a lot of situations of, you know, senior CFOs, uh, heads of HR, uh, CEOs, founders who've said, I've had enough, I'm burnt out, I'm moving on. Um, so we've been doing a lot of search work around succession planning openings, unplanned succession in many cases. And then I guess the wrapper of all of this is around culture and how do you create culture and particularly in a hybrid situation. So lots of challenges that management have had to and leadership has, have had to deal with over the last three years. 
In terms of search work itself, um, I mean, pretty much across the functional areas of focus of a business, um, we've pretty much seen shortages and a real chase for talent. Um, search processes have been often long and frustrated because uh, executives have had options and multiple options. We've, you know, it's really been tough to land uh, individuals for various reasons. We might be seeing a shift at the moment in that, uh, but it remains to be seen. I, you know, I still believe certainly in Canada, there's a fundamental shortage of talent. You know, we've seen a lot of growth, for example, in, in the areas of sales and marketing. So CMOs, head, heads of marketing, as businesses have grown, that's been a, a, a very high area of focus, as has the need for CFOs to, you know, to, to manage that growth. I think what we're starting to see now, and, and actually this is from a lot of discussions with private equity, I know it's a space that, that you um, are intimate with, Mario. Um, we're seeing a shift now to looking for operators, people who've dealt with adversity, who've, who've seen tough times, who know how to manage a balance sheet and a bottom line. Um, so that, that's where we seem to be seeing a shift now for, um, for talent in those key roles. And the same with leadership, CEO roles. Companies are looking for those that have been through difficult times, which is, I guess, pre pretty obvious as we contemplate whatever is coming down the pipeline. Ian, you have a deep experience in this space on a variety of levels. I mean, you've done so much work in the interim kind of CFO and then also in the CEO CFO space of long term, short term. When you think about the evolution of your clients and what they look for in a candidate, what would you say has been something that you know, 10 years ago, people never looked for in a candidate, and yet today you see it more than ever. Again, not to highlight your deep experience, <laughs> and I, you promise you're not old, but you've done so much in the space and been such a, you know, a market participant for such a long time. And so I'm taking advantage of your knowledge to kind of get a, a feel for how the search itself has changed. When an owner or a private equity firm is looking for a CEO, a CFO, what do you notice that they're looking for now that maybe 10 years ago they weren't? I would say um, probably the biggest area, just on reflection, to capture it would be the EQ side of things. So the ability from a, a soft, uh, you know, they call it soft, but these are often the hardest skills, um, the, the ability to for, for executives to be self-aware, to understand where others are at, uh, to have empathy. It's actually really pleasing, whereas five, six, ten years ago, the focus was perhaps on, you know, got to have someone from that industry or got to have someone who's been through a particular situational experience. I think now there's a lot more discussion around this is the culture of our organization. This is what it's going to take from a cultural, emotional intelligence, EQ um, basis, as opposed to pure IQ. Um, so they want to, you know, hire talent that, that really understand how to be effective within the environment that they've created. You also, um, you, you referenced um, interim management for a second, and I think that's been quite a change in the market, particularly coming out of COVID, where there's, there's been, uh, and I'm just kind of going down this line because I, I think it's, it's, an, it's an interesting change that we've seen. You know, going back five to 10 years, when one was building a, a management team, a leadership team, there was, there was sort of that traditional approach to what the organizational design looked like. So you had your boxes, you know, going out and across over the various functions in that sort of traditional functional approach. Through COVID, what 
companies have realized, I guess a lot of it through the dislocation of didn't matter where geography, where the person was, um, we've seen that org chart turned on its side and, and the disruption um, has gone towards what needs to be achieved more than do I need to have a CFO in place or a, or a head of HR in place who's done everything. More, you know, what's the task at hand? What do I need to get done? And yes, I may have a full-time resource to look at that, but maybe I can look at an interim or a free, freelancer, or maybe I can go to the crowd, or maybe I can turn to, you know, a really exciting area around AI and, you know, robotics and, you know, to, to solve for a particular problem. So the resource pool is much more diverse. And, you know, for that reason, I, I see um, interim management, which has always been there. Um, but I see that, uh, and particularly as one heads into uh, more of a sort of a recessionary mindset, I see interim as, as a major area of growth. I think more and more companies are going to look for diversity amongst uh, candidates in terms of um, obviously their, their EQ skills I spoke about, but also their situational skills and their ability to solve particular problems on an interim basis and then move on because the challenges and the opportunities are shifting and they're shifting quickly. So, yeah, I think those would be some trends that I've seen that, that are interesting. There's probably one additional trend that, that I find interesting and particularly um, when speaking to private equity, you know, the traditional way of looking at where, where talent and where, where valuable talent is was, again, in that C-suite. Like, I've got to have my C-suite fixed and tight and, and focused. Um, I think there's been a shift to, um, there's actually a concept called the talent to value approach. Companies being more open to the concept that you can drive value in different roles and at different levels within an organization. So to simplify it, for example, the receptionist for uh, a company is, is the, you know, has the potential to create an, an impression on what that company represents. Um, or to simplify it even further, you know, your Walmart greeter create an impression of a company as they walk in the door. So talent is, is an, or the value creation for talent is not necessarily in the C-suite. It can be at, at different levels in an organization. And I think it's incumbent on leadership to really identify where does the value get created in their business and are they focusing on, on the right people in the, in the right roles and not necessarily uh, on the C-suite. We, uh, we always ask our guests the crystal ball question. And, you know, in your space, uh, when you look at the future and you look at where things are going and what you see coming down the line, as you both from a perspective of running your business, you know, where you see things going in terms of the services that you provide. But I hard not to ask you about the broader, which you've already hit on, the broader human capital question, because one of the areas that I think COVID has fundamentally changed is the workplace in so many different ways. And how people look at the workplace. And also, I want to get your sense, both from a, your business point of view, where do you think see things going, given the macro forces that we have, but also from a, from a human capital point of view, where you see things going? Maybe I'll start on, on the second one, Mario, because you know, I think one of the, again, the learnings out of COVID was really, uh, with the shortage in talent, um, Companies have really had to focus on job quality and what, what does a quality job mean? And, and you know, if you, if you try and look at it from an employee's perspective, I really see three components to job quality. Uh, the first is economic stability. The second is economic mobility. 
And then the third would be equity, respect, and voice. So those are sort of three things that I think companies need to look at in in providing a home for their employees. So the economic stability is about obviously you know paying a fair wage and benefits and so that total rewards package. And I think there's been a lot of focus on that, um, which which has been good to see. Um, the economic mobility is around. Um, Employees looking for career advancement, career development, the ability to progress, whether it's further up into the C-suite or across into different roles uh, and, and, you know, being skilled and reskilled. So that sort of covers the, the mobility. And then, the, you know, the equity, respect and voice. You know, I think employers um, are, are really listening a lot more to these aspects, which has you know, been, been really, really good to see. And I think that will need to continue and particularly in if you sort of get into a, a recessionary type uh, environment, I think, you know, a recession, you know, you hear about cuts and, and you know, so far from a Canadian perspective, we're not seeing a lot of it um, at this point, other than perhaps in, in the tech space. But clearly, that you know, companies are going to have to consider whether it's hiring freezes or layoffs, uh, you know, sort of to meet the moment. But I think there's a real opportunity for employers to double down and focus in on the talent that they have. And, and that starts with, you know, firstly, just letting employees know that, that you're with them, that, that you're understanding uh, of their situation. Because we know everyone's thinking, what does this mean for me? And, and you need to be able to translate that and have the conversations in, in your organization. And then the second principle that I, I would follow after listening is you know doubling down a lot of companies are focused on their retention um, and and development initiatives within their workforce and this you know goes back to my point on defining what does job quality mean for your workforce so you know i'd urge companies to and, and hopefully we'll see companies looking at what they can accomplish with the existing talent creating opportunities for the you know, internal mobility automation reskilling opportunities and also boosting manager training and, and development. I think that's, you know, a lot of the reasons why people leave is not because of compensation. It's, it's often because of the way they are made to feel by, by a manager or a leader. So that's where I'm hoping that sort of uh, the trends will go. In terms of, of the search world, um, and these are actually U.S. trends that I'm, I'm thinking about, there's actually a very there's a quarterly lag. If you look at the S&P and, and the deal flow of, of M&A in the US, there's been a, a, some fall of starting to happen in terms of new roles, leadership roles in executive search. Again, as I said, that, that is in the US. We haven't yet seen that in Canada. I think in Canada, there, there are some fundamental issues, structural issues, for example, around stalling in, in immigration. And it was great to Recently, here yeah, the Canadian government announced additional immigration, particularly in, in highly skilled tasks that uh, they're going to be looking at. So it's t- tough to call at this stage. I think there is still going to be, um, there always will be, and as we saw in 07 and 08, a need for executive search. I think the focus will change, as I said earlier. It's going to shift to those operational roles where people are going to be, you know, companies are going to be looking for people who can really add value. Um, who've been through and seen adversity and can help steer the ship through whatever uncertain times may lie ahead. Ian, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been great to have you as a guest, both to hear about 
you know, the evolution of your role and the work that you do in the search function, but also to talk about what I think is sometimes not talked about enough, which is the challenges that companies are facing with human capital and how it's kind of really evolved so much in the last few years. Great. Well, thanks, Mario. I really appreciate this uh, opportunity to have this conversation with you and very respectful of you raising this conversation. You know, it has come to uh, very much into the C-suite, the conversation around human capital, and uh, hopefully it will stay there as companies navigate whatever's coming. So thank you. <laughs>